Flawcast, episode 165. Love can't be sinful. Wherever you find the greatest good, you will find the greatest evil. Because evil loves paradise as much as good. Wallace Stegner. Flawcast. Get in the arena. All right. Hello, good morning, afternoon, evening to all our esteemed Flawedcast listeners. want to welcome everybody back and uh, prepare you for a, a new episode. I uh, want to thank everyone for listening, and uh, especially our last episode where uh, my wife and I did a, a review of the Sound of Freedom movie, which if you haven't seen, put this on pause, go see it, and when you get done... <laughs> you should continue. Uh, but she did excellently. I uh, got so many rave reviews about her and her tremendous, uh, tremendous contribution that uh, hopefully we'll have her back very, very soon. And uh, so I do appreciate that. And uh, I just want to bring your attention one more time. Ourrescue.org is uh, Tim Ballard. That's his organization's website. Make sure you go and be a part of that. Support it in in what he does in every way that you're able to. And um, this episode, we're going to be kind of talking about a little bit of uh, last week's episode and, and then the, even the weeks before with what's coming up. And it, it's just so astonishing to me that so many people have a problem with a movie that deals in regards to saving children who are being trafficked and abused um, heart organs being harvested used for slave labor used for sex um, for uh, underage prostitution that, that there's so many people that legitimately have an issue with bringing that to attention and, and making a, a hero figure out of a gentleman like Tim Ballard who um, is one of one of many people who are uh, spearheading and literally uh, fighting the darkness but nonetheless I want to once again welcome and thank everybody asking you to please share um please just share just share these episodes i'm writing solo again this week uh carl is not with us um and uh you know i know he were here he would ask you to share as well where anywhere you can listen to podcasts flawcast cle is what you just type in in the search uh, we're on apple google play spotify breaker anchor.fm you can find us on the video platform rumble which is awesome we're just growing there uh we just got our 101st follower, and um, that might not sound like a big deal when you look at other people and the millions that they reach or hundreds of thousands, but I'm very humble and I'm very thankful for each and every one of you. Um, please continue to listen and hang out with us and uh, share the information we're trying to give people. Um, you can find us on the Project Mockingbird social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are on Getter and also on Gab, all under Flawed Inc. There is a link below to get a copy of my book, Smith's Heart of Man Repair Manual. You can find that on Amazon. Our email address is flawedinccle at gmail.com. And I uh, just want to make sure that if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach us there or you can send me a message on our social media platforms. But with that being said, we're going to uh, do the Pledge O Allegiance. So everybody hearing, if you can take your 
right hand, put over your left heart. Uh, repeat after me. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, so this week, I'm once again flying solo, just going to try to be brief but impactful. Um, and I call this Love Can't Be Sinful. And I was actually inspired by a message I heard by a gentleman named Vadi Bachman, who uh, some of you may have heard, but you know, in my. In my time when I'm not like working or I'm not preparing this or reading or whatever, I like to listen to um, news. Uh, you know, obviously anyone who knows me, I'm a big InfoWars fan, uh, but I, I do like to listen to messages from people that I believe can be trusted, who I believe have a heart after God, and um, which I'm finding unfortunately is fewer and far between. But <clears throat> um, Vadi had this interesting message, real brief message that really inspired me. And it really, in light of what I feel like we've been talking about last uh, several weeks, I feel like it, it just falls so perfectly into line here. And I'm going to start with just saying that addressing topics such as the acceptance and celebration of homosexuality, um, transsexuality, uh, the trans movement, um, the acceptance, I don't want to say acceptance of um, the maleficence towards children in the church, but uh, certainly some of the people that in dealing with the idea of the, what the sound of freedom is about, uh, you know, there's a lot of people I believe that are Christians that are just either struck with a normalcy bias or they you know, refuse to believe that anything sinister could be happening because it isn't directly impacting them or because they're not that way. And let's just be honest, most people, I hope anyway, um, do not have a just instinctual evil instinct to uh, kidnap children and perform the most dastardly deeds on them uh, and with them and abusing them in so regards. And the the whole idea, you know, just from the feedback I've gotten and, and even what I keep seeing around me, this Vadi Bachman message came up and I'm I'm kinda picked and chose parts, but there's a there's a main part that he discussed that really just struck me and, and it's really the idea that love can't be sinful. And it's the idea that in nowadays, and whether it's the normalization of uh, pedophilic behavior, uh, whether, it's, whether it's the normalization of uh, the church embracing lifestyles that are blatantly contrary to the scriptures, um, and, and just saying, well, love is love. Uh, you know, um, love, how, how can anyone stand against, or how can anyone be firmly um, in contradiction to the celebration and the acceptance of love? And this message I heard really just in my heart concretely confirmed how that can't be. And I, I want to get into it. So I want to start here in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 25. I'm going to read the Amplified Bible. Verse 15 says, Do not love the world of sin that opposes God and his precepts, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that's in the world, the lust and the sensual cravings of the flesh and the lust and longing of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, pretentious confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things. Those do not come from the Father, but are from the world. The world is passing away and with its, its lusts, the shameful pursuits and ungodly longings. But the one who does the will of God and carries out his purposes lives forever. Verse 18. Children, it is the last hour, the end of this age. And just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, the one who will oppose Christ and attempt to replace him, even now many Antichrist false teachers have appeared, which confirms our beliefs that it is the last hour. Went out from us, seeming at first to be Christians, but they were not really of us, because they were not truly born again and spiritually transformed. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out teaching false doctrine, so it would be clearly shown that none of them are of us." verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have been set apart, specifically gifted and prepared by Holy Spirit, and all you know the truth, because He teaches us, illuminates our minds, and guards us from error. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie, nothing false, no deception is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed? This is the Antichrist, the enemy and antagonist of Christ, the one who denies and consistently refuses to acknowledge the Father and the Son. Whoever denies and repudiates the Son does not have the Father, the one who confesses and acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that remain in you, keeping in your hearts the message of salvation, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, you too will remain in the Son and in the Father forever. So I want to talk about a couple different things here, and I want to really address this issue because unfortunately, it just seems to me, and, you know, I guess I have kind of a a sour mentality or a sour, um, a more dourly kind of uh, view on things. But it just seems to me, and even since the previous, epi previous episode number 164 of the Doctrines of Demons, where I talk about um, the job interview I had for a, a youth pastor position at a, a United Methodist Church uh, here in one of the cities nearby me, uh, and that, um, along with many other mainline denominations, are openly embracing the idea of uh, homosexuality, uh, you know, transsexuality, by you know the the LGBTQ P plus you know whatever the alphabet letter is next in that line this, this succession I don't know but um and, and even once again even in dealing with the idea of um, the issues 
presented in the movie Sound of Freedom, which, to address it in fairness, again, a lot of Christians understand what's going on, and, and not even Christians, just decent people who uh, understand the, the idea of good and evil. But the idea that people say, you know, love is love. Well, no. Um, love is God. I believe it's First John 4, 8. Um, and you can also read in First Corinthians 13 where it talks about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle. It doesn't boast. It's not envious. It's not proud. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. And, and you look at those things. In listening to this message from Vadi Bachman, it just struck me how... Even in realms of being a, a believer or those who are more spiritually minded, the idea of love has been perverted. It's been molested. It's been manipulated to whereas now, even in the church, we take a secondhand store approach to the idea of what is love. And there's a couple points I want to just uh, bring out, a couple more scriptures. But the first idea... Um, is that love becomes sinful when it's directed at the wrong object. And, and that was such a powerful observation to me, that love becomes sinful when it's directed at the wrong object. And we can certainly read in here, you know, especially going back to our primary verse in 1 John 2, uh, you know, verse 15, you know, uh, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Uh, you know, and it's the idea of loving the world. And I would say not even so much as loving sinners yet hating the sin or, you know, loving the world is like loving people as Christ loved them. You know, for you know, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him will not not past, but have everlasting life. And, and, and it's the idea of loving the world as individual souls who Christ had an equal share in his death for to provide for their salvation versus the embracing of loving the sinner and allowing sin therein not to be corrected, not to allow discipleship to be entertained or to even endeavor to begin uh, in the individual's life. So that's why a lot of the misnomers and just basic antichrist understanding that is allowed and so pervasive in the church is the idea that as Christians, we've been deceived that love is love. That the, the love that we might have or consider towards Christ and Christ towards us is the idea that that love is equal. And it, it isn't. It, that the idea of what we love has largely uh, the idea of what we love if it's the wrong object. Two men loving one another outside of a brotherly love or a platonic love is wrong. Same way with women. And I have literally the best friends anyone could ever ask for. And I love them all. I love them like brothers. I, I, there's not anything I wouldn't do for them. But, you know, there's a difference between loving them in that kind of um, 
you know, phileo kind of a love versus the eros or uh, erotic type love that, that we're talking about. And that's going through so many of these churches. That, that eros love is we get the root word for erotic, um, you know, how a man and his wife should know. And it's the idea that that kind of love, it's love. So it should be acceptable when we simply, we realize that it isn't. And if we turn back here to 1 John chapter 2, in, in verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust and sensual craving of the flesh, and the lust and longing of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, pretentious confidence in one's resources or the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the Father, but are from the world. And it's this, this idea that lust is truly masquerading itself as being love. And whether that be, you know, once again, so dealing with the, the homosexuality is, issue that is in the church, uh, or, or dealing with this now pedophilic love that is starting to become normalized uh, in the world um, and, and, and slowly being shoved down our throats and, and twisted and manipulated to be almost the norm, um, that is the inappropriate object of affection or object of love. You can't love sin. That is not true love. Love simply does not work in that manner. And, and even if we go a little further into the scriptures, you know, James chapter four, verse four, this is from the Amplified, it says, you adulterous, dismoral sinners flirting with the world and breaking your vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend, that is loving the things of the world is being God's enemies. So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And and these are hard these are hard sayings you know when when i went through seminary i got rid of most of my books uh, but there was one book i kept it was by a gentleman named f f bruce and it was called hard sayings of jesus um and in this there were like 72 things that christ himself said that were tr incredibly on face value hard they're just hard sayings and 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 that's this is a hard issue and a lot of it you know to me goes to looking at what does the scripture specifically outline as sin what does the scripture talk about what love truly is and then the opposite of that masquerading itself as pure love that in and of itself is wrong that's where we get this whole love is love nonsense it just simply doesn't work that way it is inappropriate love it's once again lust masquerading itself as love here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 from the Amplified, For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world, our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. And it's this idea that we really need to look at as far as what the world considers to be love and what true love is as ordained and created from God. And once again, going back to 1 John 2, 15, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And we are made, I believe, to love. We're made to and designed to worship. However, like the first observation said, what is that object that we are professing our love for? 
It's like saying, I love God. And coming to this point lately in my life, and I'm hopefully, and it's hopefully it's being picked up in, in the episodes, is I'm trying to just be more outright obvious in saying Jesus' name. I don't want there to be any earthly or spiritual um, confusion regarding whom I love and whom I serve. And I'm hopeful that this is something, at least one of the many things that you'll be able to take away from this episode, is the idea that Christ needs to remain our object of affection and everything else in regards to what we love and what we value and cherish has to be distilled through him and the precepts of the scriptures. And anything else outside of that by definition, cannot be love. It is lust masquerading itself as love. All right, I'm going to bring up the second point here. And it says, love becomes sinful when it comes from the wrong source. I'm going to just touch on verse 16 real quick one more time, just to highlight that for all that is in the world. And this is what he talks about. The lust, the sensual craving of the flesh, and the lust and resources or the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the Father, but from the world. So basically, it's just talking about the lust of the world and putting your trust in your, whether it be financial stability, whether it be the stability of your name, whether it be the stability of your church, the stability of the nation that you live in, that is, you're loving the wrong thing in that regard. All those things are temporal. And, and, Anything outside of the name of Christ will not last forever. And this really struck me, the, the idea that love becomes sinful when it comes from the wrong source. Let me read here 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. You know that, and this is from the New International Version, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except the Holy Spirit gives him utterance. So, so it's this idea, once again, that love becomes sinful when it comes from the wrong source. Once again, whether you're a church, whether you're a leader, whether you're just an average Joe Blow who cuts his lawn every weekend, if you are in a position where you are saying that you're either condoning or you yourself are committing this act of sinful love towards these things that are purposefully non-scriptural and displeases the heart of God, that, that breaks the heart of the Almighty, your love is coming from the wrong source. How can you love something in the manner that God has designed and created to love it if it is something that God himself does not love? And, and this is not to be conflated, one more time, with the idea of, for Christ so loved the world. You go back to that John 3.16. Christ loved the world. He loves the world. He loves the sinners. He, that he spent more time with quote-unquote sinners and tax collectors, as it says in the scripture, uh, than he did with the Pharisees and, and the religious leaders of the day. So there's a great 
uh, amount of uh, love and, and regard that Christ has for, and certainly myself, I'm not trying to separate that I'm not a sinner, uh, nor you listening aren't, um, we are. However, what really struck me is this idea of literally just saying this is wrong. And if the church you're in, if the, the, the spiritual community you surrounded yourself with are not addressing these issues and bringing to light the fallacy of the wisdom, quote unquote, of the world, I think that a, a greater discussion needs to be had. And I think that is something that should begin anyway, because one of the things that really struck me um, in that First uh, John chapter 2, in verse 18, children, it is the last hour, the end of the age. And this goes back to even episode 161, where I talk about sober-mindedness and, and things of that nature, that what what is the object of your affection? And what kind of affection are you showing this object? Is it pure? Is it noble? Is it truthful? Is it kind? Is it loving? Is it demonstrating the, the fruit of the spirit that it talks about in Galatians 5? Or is it not? Is it the opposite of that? And once again, just going back here, verse 18, it says, children, it is the last hour, which once again, ties back 161, sober mindedness. Um, if you haven't listened, go back, you'll get it. Children, it is the last hour, the end of things. And just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, the one who will oppose Christ and attempt to replace him, even now many Antichrists, this is what the scripture itself says, many Antichrists or false teachers have appeared, which confirms our belief that it is the last hour. Verse 19, they went out from us, seeming at first to be Christians, but they were not really of us because they were not truly born again and spiritually transformed. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out teaching false doctrines so that it would be clearly shown that none of them are of us. And it's this idea that as we are moving along in this eschatological time frame that we're starting to see a clear delineation, we must be very careful that the things that we claim to love, specifically if you're in a church and specifically if you're in a community of faith, that the things that are being embraced, the things that are being celebrated and applauded and even being doubted and passed by these spiritual loopholes. I'm under the conviction now that everything, whether it be just a simple doctrinal issue or whether it be on an individual basis within that community of faith, needs to be explained and discussed very, very plainly. And, you know, uh, my wife and I even have been having very intentful conversations about this is the kind of church I want us to be a part of. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of the denominations that I talked about in, in uh, the last episode are not in, included in those conversations. I, I just don't feel it's safe, and it has nothing to do with you know, supporting people or loving people who are struggling with sin, because we all are. It has to do with the celebration and the promotion of things that are 
simply anti-Christ. And even as it's said there in verses 18 and 19, there are these organizations, there are these people that are heading up these organizations that, you know, they claim to have been Christians, but they said that they came out from among us, but were not of us. And it's so deceitful because in, in the hard part about deception is so deceiving is that these people who you want to trust, who you want to believe, who you think are good people, who you, they're teaching of the Bible, you want to believe that, that they are. And we have to be so careful. And this is why this episode is so important to me. We have to be so careful to truly know what God's word is, to truly spend time with him in his presence, that we are going to be able to discern these things and then have them confirmed to us in the scripture. And it's not just the idea of the homosexuality. Um, You know, I, I have a list here of some things that... I think are really plaguing the church right now. And I think it's our responsibility that we individually begin to work on these things and start to overcome these things in our personal lives so that we can help influence and be an example to other people who are struggling or who have no idea that they need to grapple with these things. So I have biblical literacy. Far too many people who profess to be Christians are completely biblically illiterate. They don't spend time in the word. They don't know when the word, what the word truly says. And I'm not going to get in debate over this translation, that translation. You know, at this point, if (laughs) I I would advise people use the amplified or NIV or heck the the King James version at at least, but use a, a scriptural translation that has been around and that has has some stability for at least 50, 60 years. I I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't recommend anything newer than that, but biblical literacy is a dangerous thing because we find ourselves in these positions like I'm talking about, where we are literally celebrating and endorsing these very things that are against the heart of God. Uh, The second thing is a lack of God's presence. So many churches and even Pentecostal or spirit-filled or non-denominational churches that have more uh, a full gospel slant, it's almost like they're ashamed of Holy Spirit. They don't usher in his presence in a truly uh, biblical manifestational way. It's, hey, let's sing a song that uh, during praise and worship that has some interesting lyrics that may or may not be scriptural, but that will evoke emotions and our emotions become our God and not the God of creation himself, but we need to practice God's presence. Um, I don't know how to say it. When Christ first introduced himself to me, there was a a teaching that I understood that we need to practice time in his presence and not be eager to leave it. By the way, this is not an exhaustive list, but uh, boredom. We have so many people who are just bored in life generally and spiritual lethargy becomes an issue because that's when we start to wander. That's when we start to entertain things that perhaps are not beneficial. 
temptation to create spiritual loopholes to allocate ourselves to joining our bodies, our, our minds, our spirits with sinful antichrist spirits. And Paul says this many times through his epistles. If you hear a gospel that is preached, other than what Christ himself or Paul says he preached, you need to stay away from it. And this is why I, I try to tell people to stay with trusted translation of the scriptures because newer translations of scripture, I believe, are not really penned um, with the divine inspiration of Holy Spirit. I think they're penned by lesser spirits. I'll just leave it at that. Consumer Christianity is another thing. And, and I, I can understand that because, like I said, having... A hard time for my wife and I finding a church where we feel like we can be a part of, we can grow, but that's part of a church that actually adheres to and believes and teaches and then demonstrates the scriptures is is super hard. So you you get in this process where like this church is not this or this is not this, um, and and that's really potentially detrimental. It it it, it certainly is aversion to commitment. Uh, this is something that I. I have a lot of conversation with people about, and it's this idea of, yeah, I love God. I love what the Bible says, but, you know, I don't really want to commit to becoming a Christian. And I struggle with that because it's just, you know, I don't ever want to be in a position to tell somebody, hey, you're wrong or you're this or that, unless it's very blatant. But it's like, I don't believe you can legislate morality or you can legislate spirituality. People have to come to their own conclusions about what to do with Christ. And there's really not much I know to say or do to make people do that. It has to be a true work in their life that Holy Spirit is doing. Uh, the, the struggle for balance in a moderate age, uh, just the struggle for balance. You know, it's like you have this going on, you know, um, with my wife's parents, they've been, you know, it seems like every other weekend we're in the hospital uh, helping them with different things. And, 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 you know, and then we have friends that need help. And, you know, then you get so tired. All you want to do is just kind of veg out. And, you know, uh, and, and it's a genuine struggle to be active in your faith when it seems like everything that's going on in the world is trying to suck your energy and, and steal your attention and, and woo you away with lesser lovers that it's hard to, you know, have that stick that you need in order to really uh, foster a communicative relationship with Christ. And, you know, the, the last thing that I talked about is this, I, this nonsense about gender and sexuality. And the scriptures are very clear about this. I don't care what denomination, if you're the United Brotherhood of the Grand Water Buffalo Lodge or whatever you are, the scriptures are very clear. And God made man and woman. Uh, there, there are two genders. The idea of God made man and woman for purposes, not just uh, to reproduce, but because what a woman lacks, man has, and what man lacks, woman has. And in that, it, the entirety of the personality and characteristics of God are there. And, you know, Paul talks about it in um, uh, is it Galatians or Ephesians, where he talks about, you know, the mystery of marriage. Um, it, it's an enigma to him. And it certainly is that way with, with Christ himself and with God himself. So, 
what I just want to say in kind of closing is simply that we need to learn what love is. Love becomes sinful when it is directed at the wrong object and and also, love becomes sinful when it comes from the wrong source. So if we're being motivated to lust for something that is clearly anti-gospel, that is anti-Christ, it's obviously coming from the wrong source. We need to be astute and we need to be aware and discerning of that. And then the idea that love becomes sinful when it's at the wrong object. You know, love, love isn't, when, when people say love is love, that's not true. It just simply isn't true. And we need to, once again, to be discerning of that. We need to spend time in our in our scripture. We need to spend time in prayer with God. And we need to surround ourselves with people that understand his presence, that can respond to it and help promote an atmosphere where his presence can be found. And then in that expand and learn and teach the scriptures and grow and create disciples in discipleship. And I really hope that I was able to kind of at least make you think of something that you hadn't thought about before. I know certainly that this was an interesting uh, kind of revelatory thing to me, but I just hope that the idea that love can't be sinful, that people will quote and talk about love, but is it real love or is it lust masquerading as love? And that's just really what I, I just want to leave you guys with. Uh, I'm going to say a quick prayer. Like, Lord, I just thank you for uh, this opportunity to, to speak to my friends. And um, I ask right now that e even in my life, that me first, that you would reveal in my life where I'm being not in line with you and with your scriptures that what is love is love that it, it isn't if it isn't love that you'll reveal that i ask lord that you would just put conviction on me i ask that you would put conviction on anybody that's listening right now that you would draw them in the true spirit of love closer to your heart, Jesus. And I ask that you would begin to convict them, Lord. It, your kindness leads us to repentance, is what it says in Romans 2, 4. And I ask right now that your kindness would be upon um, my friend, Lord. And I ask that you would just reveal things to them, that you would give them discernment, that you, with you know, where my, my people perish for a lack of knowledge, Lord, but that you would give them knowledge of heaven, knowledge of things of the spirit, knowledge of your heart, knowledge of your presence, God, even as I'm, I'm asking this for myself, even as I'm praying. And I just thank you. And I just bless you, Lord, in Jesus name. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, once again, please share where anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Uh, you can find us under Flawedcast CLE, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Breaker, Anchor.fm. We're on Rumble, the video platform under Flawed Inc. You can find us on the Project Mockingbird social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on Gab. We're also on Getter. All under Flawed Inc. In the description, there is a link to get a copy of my book, Smith's Heart of Man Repair Manual. And also our email address, which is flawedinccle at gmail.com uh, is there. Send us, uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, you can send us the email there or you can reach out to us on our social media so once again love isn't love if it isn't directed and it isn't endorsed by the scriptures and by god himself 